Greetings in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. It's good to see all of you again. I think most of you are probably aware that uh, Brian, Michelle, Beverly, and I have spent the week at SMBI this past week. Um, we didn't have a service here last Sunday, so we weren't nece- didn't necessarily communicate that to you, that uh, what our plans were there. Um, but we went from uh, the revival meetings, which were rich and full and deep, to uh, four and a half days, I guess it was, or five days, I forget what it all is tallied up to, of uh, six sessions per day, beginning at eight in the morning to five at night, three sessions in the morning, three in the afternoon, all an hour and five minutes long with a 10-minute break between. Needless to say, we probably uh, got a little more than we could digest. But it was was tremendous. It was was, uh, very, 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 really a precious time in the sense of spending time with other believers, other leaders, and uh, being uh, taught and exhorted uh, regarding the, the kingdom of God and, and our call and uh, the, um, the needs of the world today and the, the challenge of the church rising to meet those needs. <clears throat> Probably the uh, I, I sat through three different uh, sessions, each each three different speakers, and each one of those in the forenoon and again in the afternoon. So got to hear each speaker twice in in one day. There were other sessions as well, so there was some choosing of where what people wanted to take. Probably the one that. Uh, definitely uh, spoke to me the most was Val Yoder's session on the beauty of holiness and his emphasis on uh, the fact that holiness is beautiful and uh, the burden that if we only communicate nonconformity as a subject without communicating how beautiful holiness is, we are uh, we're failing to communicate a very uh, effective and powerful truth, and uh, it was uh, it was a very very rich time. Also, another session that I s- 
took in was uh, the pastor and his relationships by a man named James Yoder from Indiana. Uh, also very practical. Lots of good exhortations. Merle Burkholer, and I, I've never, I don't think I ever heard him either uh, before. And I even forget what his whole series title was, but uh, very interesting, very challenging. Again, speaking of the kingdom of God and, and uh, somewhat of the, the burden of what the kingdom of God should be doing in today's world and, and so forth and what God's heart is for his church and, uh, and so on. <clears throat> So that ended Friday afternoon at noon, and then uh, we, of course, headed home again. Probably a hundred and, I don't know, 150 people there, maybe. Pastors, some, some of their wives, and the, the ladies had a session, which I think they enjoyed immensely. Um, very, 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 very rich time. The only problem is I never had a chance to even digest what we got last week at the revival meetings. We went right on into another uh, heavy schedule of teaching. and So there's a lot tucked in there that hopefully I can ruminate it and chew on it again. <clears throat> Maybe we could uh, just stand together if you're able, and we'll uh, pray together, commit this time to the Lord. Our God, our Father, we are here in your presence once again, and we commit this moment of time to you. God, again, you, you are you're here, your children are here. And you understand the need of each heart here today. And we do ask, Father, that in some way you, by your Spirit, would minister to each heart. That each person could go home, having at least sensed your care and love. And your, uh, your tenderness and your compassion in their hearts and lives. And that, Father, they could be refreshed in their spirit and renewed to uh, press on, to uh, walk with you, to be all they can be for you. So, Father, just commit this time to you, commit uh, myself to you in all my limitations, and ask, Father, that you would pronounce a blessing upon this assembly. Father, we ask in Jesus' precious name, with thanksgiving. Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat> so having, uh, having gone through almost or combined about ten days, ten days of... Uh, deep 
teaching, preaching, exhortation. You would think that I would be up here with enough to keep you here the rest of the day, right? I find it actually exactly the opposite. Uh, I... um, I would say that I am in the school of Christ, and uh, coming out of those wonderful, rich teachings, with many a blessing behind us, I face a small bump in the road that really shouldn't have spiraled me into discouragement, but it did. And I do recognize God's you know God knows us, He knows our needs, He knows what He wants to accomplish in our lives, He knows what He wants to touch in our lives. And I um uh, I can only bow my heart to him and trust him that uh, he can use those kind of experiences and and continue his sanctifying work in my own experience. You know, the timing of it seemed difficult because here I am. I've got to be here and share. And I, uh, I'm not a good hypocrite in that sense. I can't pretend that everything is all right when everything is not all right. Uh, I just can't do it. And I'm not the kind of person that can hit a, hit a bump and uh, just shake it and go on. It's typically not who I am or not me. Probably should be able to do it more than I can. It would be easy to say that it's, you know, it's an attack from the devil. But it's a bump that I've hit periodically in my life. And so I don't think it would be quite fair to just write it off as an attack from the devil. I do believe the devil does enter in and try to make his hay while the sun shining in his favor, uh, which discouragement is always in his favor. But I do, I do want to, uh, I, I, yeah, I, um, I recognize that it's, it's, uh, there's an area of my heart needs to be sanctified if, if God is going to be able to Continue to use me in his kingdom and his work, and I want to be willing to uh, allow him to do that. And if he, you know, he chooses the timing and when he wants to reveal to me who I am and what my needs are, and if it's at a time like this, then I'm just going to accept it. And, uh, 
make the best of it or trust him. Just trust him. Um, You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and we'll take a few few moments here and ponder at least a few things from the scriptures. I uh, I guess the Lord must have something to say to us about our words because uh, the children's class was on the same subject that I have here. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 to verse 7, I'll read. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no no whoremonger, nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with with vain words, for because of these things cometh the, child, cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. <clears throat> Two weeks ago or several weeks back we had uh, focused on the whole subject of covetousness as it's named here in this uh, list of sins. Today we'd like to focus on verse 4 a bit and then uh, just branch out from there in other parts of Scripture and talk about uh, our words. Uh, It says here, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. I've titled the message, Words Profitable or Unprofitable. I think, uh, you know, we all know that words are a big part of our existence. You know, we, I I didn't bother trying to discover how many words we say. I know the men say less words than the ladies do. Uh, I've heard figures on those things already. But... uh, They are a big part of our existence, and without words, we would, uh, we would, if you know, if words weren't a part of our human existence and 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 experience, I I don't know, we'd be missing something pretty dreadful, I would think. Uh, So, and of course, like the children's class said, you know, words can. They can be profitable words, something that benefits people, something that encourages people, something that builds someone up, or it can be unprofitable words, words that discourage, words that tear down, words that defile, words that, you know, you name it. Um, So words can be profitable or unprofitable. And uh, there's... uh, I just turned to Proverbs. I guess you could turn there if you wish. Proverbs 15, 1 to 4. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. 
The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, and a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Verses 1, 2, and 4 all contrast between the good, the bad, the profitable, the unprofitable, the wholesome or the perverse, uh, the uh, wisdom or foolishness, which is part of our experience, isn't it? Contrast words, profitable or unprofitable. The first point we'd like to consider just a little bit is simply words to no profit. In uh, in Second Timothy two verse fourteen, Paul writing to Timothy says this: "Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers." Of course, that scripture that we read there in uh, Ephesians five. Uh, Verse 6 says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. Uh, The context there is a little different than the context in 2 Timothy. But uh, words that are to no profit but to the subverting of the hearers. And if we turn to... um, let me quote Second Timothy 2.23 first. But foolishness, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And then you can turn to First Timothy 6. And we'll look at a scripture there. First Timothy 6, verse 3 to 5. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of truth, supposing that godliness is gain, from such withdraw thyself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There he makes a contrast a bit again about teachers who are teaching something other than wholesome words, something other than that which you know builds up the people of God. They're rather uh, speaking words that dote about uh, questions, strifes of words, and whereof come envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings. And I don't know how they were necessarily doing that altogether. But, uh, you know, there are, uh, there are, you know, it's an exhortation that is given here to, uh, to not be speaking words that are of no profit. You know, words that rather than encouraging or building up God's people, they discourage the uh Gender confusion. They, they, uh, yeah. Rather than uh, bringing clarity and direction and uh, purpose and and uh, you know 
giving a clear picture of the path to walk in as a believer. The, the, it's, it's communication that clouds the picture. It's communication that perhaps throws questions on, on, uh, you know, the uh, scriptural interpretations of on, humility and honesty and modesty and all those kind of things. And, and rather than encouraging people in the right way, it discourages people. It, uh, turns them off the course. It, it, uh, rather than, uh, Causing, you know, believers to love and trust and respect each other. It might cause believers to mistrust and, and as he says here, uh, where have come envy, strife, railings and evil surmisings. You know, obviously a lot of things are happening by what is being spoken. And, uh, uh, rather than building up the body, it tears it down. Words of no profit. Things that we have to guard against and consider in our own lives that the things that we speak are not of no profit. That they're not a hindrance to God's people or to those around us, to those we work with or those we meet in life's journey. Second point I'd like us to consider is hasty words. Proverbs 29 verse 20 says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. And you can turn to Ecclesiastes 5. We'll read a few verses there. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. For in a dream cometh, for a dream cometh through the multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of his words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not have vowed than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an heir. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there also there are also diver, divers vanities, but fear thou God. <clears throat> Okay, in this scripture we, we notice several things. Uh, now the context here in the beginning was somewhat between us and God. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Uh, then verse 3, it's, I'd say it's a little bit more general. In the latter part of the verse, a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. And then verse 7, for in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities. So hasty words. Uh, Proverbs 10, verse 19, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Simply means there lacketh not sin. Sin is very present in the multitude of words. And then we also have a a verse in Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, 
but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. <clears throat> so hasty words, as we think about uh, these scriptures, and I, I think we all know it quite well, that uh, hasty words are often regretted words. You know, they're often uh, hasty responses are often responses that we later wish we could take back. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're all different and some of us have to battle with that more than others. I, I know of, uh, you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I guess I'm one of those who's not real quick to speak and I've at times envied people who are. Uh, but I've also, uh, you know, it opened my eyes a little bit once when someone who was quick to speak uh, kind of indicated they envy those who aren't. Uh, and, you know, the person communicated the fact that so often you say something and later you wish you, you wouldn't have said it or you would have said it differently or you thought before you said it and, and thought through what you're going to say. And so, hasty words uh, can can often they have an, an edge to them. Often they injure the person they're given to, and uh, we do well to be careful and not be hasty in our responses. And of course, like it says here, uh, in a multitude of words, and there again. You know, our speech is a blessing and it's a good thing, but I, I think there is actually a place where we have to be careful that we're not just, you know, going a mile a minute. Uh, it does tell us here that in a multitude of words there wanteth not sin. Uh, I guess it's, it's kind of, I, what I see there is kind of an uncontrolled tongue, you know, versus someone who has learned to discipline or control their tongue and it doesn't mean you know it doesn't mean a person shouldn't be talking you know communicating but in a multitude of words I get the picture of a tongue that just isn't controlled you know it's hardly even thinking what they're saying just 90 miles an hour you know and so kind of two different perspectives there but something to consider if we find ourselves in a in a place like that Third point we like to consider is grievous words. Uh, we already uh, read Proverbs 1 verse, or excuse me, Proverbs 15 verse 1, which says, A soft an- answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And then also, let's look at Psalm 64. You're uh, close to that. You can turn to Psalm 64. Verse 3. Maybe um, we'll read verse 2 to get a bit of context here. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows like and bend their bows to shoot their arrow, arrows even bitter words here the uh, uh words are described as arrows even bitter words you know pulling the arrow back and letting them fly uh psalm 109 a few pages over 
Psalm 109, verse 1 to 3. Hold not thy peace, O God, of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They compass me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. There we have it uh, given as words of hatred. Uh, grievous words. In, uh, in, th- in 3 John verses uh, 9 and 10, John writes these words, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them which would, and casteth them out of the church." And uh, here he's, uh, he notes that he was prating against him with malicious words and not content therewith. That wasn't even enough, you know. Uh, so, grievous words, you know, they're described as grievous words, malicious words. Uh, Psalm uh, 109 describes it as words of hatred. Um, Grievous words are, I guess you would say they're words that are meant to kill, if we could say it that way. They're words that are intended to injure, words that are loaded, we would say, words that are venomous and uh, given with, a, with, a, with an aim. Uh, and of course, I think we all know that as this... Uh, Proverbs says, grievous words stir up anger. Well, I think they stir up many other things too. Uh, they wound, they hurt, they can kill, they can... Uh, the, the nice little old uh, rhyme that says, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words cannot hurt me is, is a lie. If we'll uh, be honest... It is a lie. Words have hurt many a person, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And uh, we recognize that. I trust and have confidence in us that if we have, you know, ever intentionally spoken grievous words, that we have recognized the error of it and... uh, confess to those that we have spoken to and repented and did our best to to heal the wounds that were caused. So, I uh, trust that is not a big problem among us, but may we be reminded and encouraged again that that, uh, grievous words, uh, words of hatred, words of Anger can be very detrimental, very destructive. <clears throat> All right, I'd like to draw out of Ephesians 5, our next point uh, speaks of and speak just a few moments on filthy words. Uh, just kind of summing up what is said there in verse uh, 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, 
which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Filthy words. Um, you know, the term filthy there is perhaps not necessarily uh, saying filthy words, and yet it's in the context of speech in a sense. Uh, I think it's probably relating to filthiness in demeanor and thought and character, and obviously if it's there in those capacities, it's probably going to be there in our speech as well. Filthy words. What are filthy words? They're unclean words. Words that uh, make uh, uh, it says foolish talking. Maybe we could think about it a little more from that perspective. Foolish talking. Uh, I think of it often as kind of making jokes of things that are holy, joking about holy things, and our world does that a lot. Our world does that all the time, really. Those of you who work in public places with with uh, unbelievers probably face those kind of things quite a bit. Where uh, holy things, pure things, you know, the things that God created uh, are just bywords, jokes, uh, regarded lightly and uh, laughed about. Filthy words... <clears throat> Tainted with uncleanness, defiled words. Or, and obviously, starts in our thinking, comes out of our mouth, uh, and defiles those who are around us. I think we all probably know, we've all probably been in that place where we've, uh, we've, uh, you know, we've heard someone say a filthy word or, or give some filthy comment and, and we've, uh, it wanted to come back to our minds later, you know, or and you had to wrestle to throw it out, get rid of it. I don't even recall what it was, but I remember pulling up behind a vehicle that had a bumper sticker that had some vulgar language on once, and uh, you know, you just you want to you want to look everywhere but at that bumper sticker because it's filthy, it's 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 defiling, it's it's uh, not wholesome, not good, not uh, upbuilding. <clears throat> so filthy words, as it says here, which are not convenient, joking, jesting. Uh, you know, I think, you know, how do we find a balance in, in uh, you know, comments that, uh, you know, are humorous? And I, 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 uh, I don't, uh, it's not wrong to... Uh, to to make comments that are humorous, uh, but it is wrong to you to to uh, to use uh, defiling words when we do it. If we do it, you know, it's wrong to take holy things and defile them. You know, to make light of them. To uh, uh, maybe an example I could use of of, uh, of a humorous uh, word that's not really wrong. Uh, and Merle Burkholder has kind of a dry sense of humor in his teaching at times, and and uh, uh, it fits. It fits as he's trying to he's, he's exhorting us about uh, uh, kingdom life, and he he um, he uh, just uses these examples from his own life and the way he gives them. It just it's it's, it's a dry sense of humor. Anyhow, uh, just thinking of a of a 
of a statement or, or something that's a bit humorous, that's, you know, it's not unclean at all. He related an incident where some relatives of his who have a garage and do auto repair, uh, the, uh, a lady come in there and uh, was uh, with her vehicle to be repaired apparently and uh, one of the young, uh, one of these gentlemen was relating to this lady and and uh, her accent was a bit different, and finally he says to her, "Well, what you know? What is your accent? It's 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 different." And she said, "Well, her accent is British, and if you've ever heard of British English, it's it's actually I like it. Uh, it's neat." And after a bit, she says to him, "Well, you know what? What is your accent?" And uh, he says, "Well, I don't I don't have an accent. I just speak regular." <laughs> you know that makes us all laugh you know and and uh uh it's there's nothing filthy about it you know it's it's humorous it's nothing filthy about it and he he gave us that and he, and and it and if you can picture him teaching he gave us that in the context of uh trying to help us understand how much we how much we uh can be Oh, what is the word? We, we we see ourselves as the standard, and we measure everything else by ourselves. So, uh, and so he was trying to help us understand to think beyond ourselves as we relate to people and and, and the world and, and missions and all this kind of things. And he used that as an example of a person who she had an accent, she was different, but he, you know, he was relating to life from his perspective and from his. Uh, so, anyhow, there's an example of where, you know, you know, we sometimes in brothers' meetings, there's an occasion where, you know, a comment is made and it's, we all laugh. And frankly, I think there, those things can be healthy for us. As long as we're not doing it at, you know, we don't want to be uh, cracking, a, uh, taking a joke or something that is at someone's expense. Someone is hurt by it. Someone is feeling belittled by it, someone is, uh, um, we don't want to go there. We don't want to do that. And, and granted, there's probably times when we do take someone's word or something that was said and, and add something to it and everybody laughs and we realize later, you know what, he could have, that could have been almost an offense to him. And we go back and say, hey, you know, I didn't uh, intend to offend you if it did and, and make sure that things are fine. But, uh, but Nonetheless, you know, it says here foolish talking and jesting. And I, I do feel, uh, you know, we, we do need to be careful that we, you know, life is not all jokes. You know, life is serious and uh, we should be able to have good, serious discussions, good, serious interaction. Uh, if a person is always uh, joking and lighthearted and laughing, I always, you know, you always wonder, OK, what's the depth of spirituality there? It almost seems like there's a the jokes and the laughing become a cover to a hurting heart uh, is often the case. So, um, filthy words, words that minister defilement, words that yeah defile someone else. Those who hurt them are made to think about things that aren't pure, uh, suggestive. Unclean. <clears throat> All right. Well, we've looked at a number of negatives. Words to no profit. Hasty words. Grievous words. Filthy words. 
Let's take a few minutes and consider wholesome words. A familiar proverb to us, 25 verse 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. A word fitly spoken. 1 Timothy 6 verse 3 says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Uh, again, just uh, I believe we may have actually looked at that earlier in another context. But uh, wholesome words. In Luke 4 verse 22 is said of Jesus and all all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? You know, a, a word fitly spoken. You know, you know, as we go through life, we all find ourselves in different experiences and different places in life. And, uh, you know, there's, I guess I'm going to say, Blessed is the person who can know when to say when, uh, what to say when. <laughs> you know, as you relate to people and they uh, had a situation this past week where I was relating to a couple and, of course, we were all there without our families, without our children. So, if you're going to learn anything about a family, you're going to ask questions, you know. And I asked a young a couple uh, if they have any children and and they told me, uh, that no, they don't. They've had three miscarriages. And all of a sudden, I find myself in a situation where I realize that if I'm not careful how I speak, I will I will hurt them if I'm not careful how I relate. And, uh, yeah, a word fitly spoken to be uh, to be able to speak at a time like that in such a way that ministers and blesses and encourages rather than discourage. Uh, and I I think I did okay, but uh, we've had some of those in our own experience, so I was able to relate together on that level a bit. But I hope it, uh, I hope it all uh, encouraged them in faith and in confidence in the Lord and not discourage them in any way. Probably the point that I hoped wouldn't discourage them is that I shared a bit of how God did bless us after we had an anointing of oil and prayer. And uh, and they made the comment that at uh, one of their, I guess around the time where a threatening miscarriage, they were, she was also anointed with oil and prayer. And, and uh, I hope that sharing our experience didn't discourage them. But uh, yeah, a word fitly spoken. I would uh, covet that gift of being able to speak those fitting words at the right time. Uh, there is such a thing. I think we all know that. Uh, you know, I remember uh, just an example. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I know this has happened to different people that have. Uh, Jumped into a vehicle and backed out the garage before the door was up. I've heard of that experience in several, even in this congregation. And, uh, you know, a, a child can be feeling pretty discouraged. And, you know what? 
It's an opportunity. A word fitly spoken. A word of encouragement at a time like that. A word of comfort. A word of blessing. A word of... Can actually take what is otherwise discouraging or undesirable situation and redeem it and make it actually a positive situation. Actually, where you had an opportunity to, to convey care that you otherwise wouldn't have had an opportunity to do. Of course, it can be an opportunity to rail. What didn't you think before you did it? You know, type of thing. Whatever. Then you blew it. <laughs> then you blew it. So, you know, not all uh, not all bad things are bad things because uh, it's often in the in the, in that light that it presents opportunities to speak a fitting word, to speak an encouraging word, to uh, to bless, which um, had the event not occurred, you wouldn't have had the same opportunity. So. <clears throat> In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18, we are exhorted, wherefore comfort one another these, with these words. And in that case, it was... Uh, uh, the... Uh, the context is Christ's return and the uh, exhortation is given to, you know, to use that uh, the truth of Christ's return, the reality of Christ's return, uh, or just playing down kingdom perspectives and thought and, and uh, use it to encourage one another, to comfort one another, to bless one another. Wholesome words. Proverbs 15 verse 26 says the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. The words of the pure are pleasant words. What are some words of blessing that we can give? You know, we can uh, we can encourage our children in a job that they've done. You know, we can tell them that you've done a great job. It's uh, it's better than I would have done. Or as good as I would have done. I don't know that we want to intentionally lie, but uh, I think we can find good and, and be able to bless in almost, in most circumstances. We realize there's time for correction. There's time for advice and how to, you know, improve the job. There's There's times for that. You know, words like I'm praying for you or I'm supporting you can be encouraging words. And like I said earlier, when someone fails, how we respond can be uh, uh, an excellent opportunity to encourage. It can be a word fitly spoken. Words of encouragement, words of support. So may God, uh, may God bless us with that gift of words fitly spoken. They do minister a lot, <clears throat> and we want to uh, want to allow God to use us in that way. In conclusion, and I uh, I could have uh, probably could have summed up a few more. I had not sure if I have that paper with me. I had written down. All sorts of verses 
that uh, spoke of, uh, yeah, here it is, spoke of uh, different ways of words. We could have talked about enticing words, Colossians 2.4, flattering words, 1 Thessalonians 2.5. Uh, God's word, God has his word to us. 1 Peter 2.18 speaks of words of vanity. Sound words, 2 Timothy 1.13. There's all sorts of different words that scripture talks about. All sorts. Uh, and this, even my list isn't all conclusive. But words are powerful. And uh, I'm going to conclude in Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 34 to 37. Jesus speaking to the, uh, I suppose to the Pharisees, looks like. He says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Jesus tells us here that uh, if their words are, if there's a problem with the words, there's a problem with the heart. That the, the tongue is only an indication of a heart problem. So, I think that's not new to us. If, we, uh, if we're having a problem with words, then we can be sure that we're having a problem with our heart. And he also tells us that uh, by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Uh, men shall give an account for every idle word. You know, words are, the, are a fruit in our lives, you know, we, you know, all those trees out there right now, of course, some guys can tell what they are by the bark, but, but, uh, for some of us who aren't quite so well versed in trees, we need to see the fruit, you know, we need to see what, uh, comes off the tree. And, uh, you know, the heart, you know, we, we do put a lot of emphasis on the heart and the heart needing to be in a, in its proper place. But uh, you can be sure that uh, the statement that it, what's in the heart is all that matters is actually not an accurate biblical statement. Because the, uh, what that heart is producing, uh, the life is not going to be judged by what is assumed to be in the heart. The life is going to be judged by what the heart produced, whether in action or in word, as it says it here. Uh, it's a little bit like, yeah, you look at the fruit. You look at what it produced, and by that you determine the root. You know, by that you determine its source. Uh, you, you, if a, if a well has, uh, if you get uh, salt water out of a well, 
Well, you can be sure that your source is salt water. If you get good drinking water out of a well, well, you've got a, your source is good drinking water. Uh, if the, if the, the mouth uh, generates vile stuff, then you can be sure that down in there is a vile heart. If it generates bitter words, you can be sure that there's a bitter heart down in there. If it generates uh, uh, comforting, encouraging, blessing, uh, ministering words, you can be sure there's a heart down in there that is filled with tenderness, love, compassion, and care. And uh, so, I guess that means then, if we want to exercise and grow in uh, this matter of being a word fitly spoken and all of that, then uh, we should focus on developing our heart in compassion and love and care. And uh, as we do that, and life situations come our way, it'll come out. It'll come out. And, you know, it's... uh, it's not necessarily trying to figure out and fabricate the, fabricate the right words in the situation, but it's rather feeling the right heart. And out of that heart come the words that are fitted to the situation. So words, unprofitable or profitable or unprofitable. We all have them. I suppose that all of us can say that there's, there's, there's those days and those times when we have those words that we felt would have been better left unsaid or were not of profit. But uh, may God in, encourage us and bless us and help us to uh, bless and minister and speak those things which build up our children, our spouse, our brothers and sisters, our fellow believers. Our neighbors, and uh, we'll be blessed. We'll be encouraged in our own spirits as we as we do that. If we're able, let's kneel together and uh, pray. Father, we do bow in your presence again in this moment. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you, Father, for, again, each heart here that I uh, have confidence that each one is seeking you in one measure or another. And today, again, I pray that uh, your spirit would draw each of us to yourself and minister to our hearts, encouraging us and strengthening us. Father, I pray that You would meet each person right where they're at in whatever situation they may be facing, whatever life's challenges may have been this past week, or even in preparation for the challenges of the coming week. Father, just strengthen us. Continue to help us to see you as the source of all life and strength. And Father, help us to develop a heart of care and compassion, love, for our fellow man, that uh, in those times of need, in those times of opportunity, that that would spill out of our mouth and meet someone's need in a rich way. So, Father, we just again thank you. Thank you for this assembly, and we commit these 
few thoughts to you in Jesus' name. Amen.